This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Luke chapter 1. Who can't get excited at Christmas time? Luke chapter 1. And we're going to read from verses 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a city, Um, to a virgin betrothed to be a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For for with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant, of the, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The angel departed from her. You were never born with con- without some consideration. Have you ever thought about the fact that God considered you and actually in the grand scheme of everything, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And that plan and a purpose is intricately woven to him and you working together in things. What's wonderful about that plan is the thing about it is very often people are sitting saying, am I a person of consequence? Do I have influence? Am I at a place where I'm doing something of, of, of significance for the kingdom? I don't really understand what that's all about, and and I don't know where I should walk into it. I don't know how to walk into it. What I want to show you today is this. No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, there is a bigger plan at play. And I want you to understand that if, if you can come to those places where you intersect with God, you'll be amazed at what can happen in your life. And things that you least expect, that are least consequential, things that kind of come out of the blue and totally sideswipe you are things that God will bring into your life. Mary had no clue what was coming. We read this and sometimes we think that Mary was in anticipation of this. Mary was just a little girl living life, doing ordinary everyday stuff. That's how she was living. She was doing everyday stuff. She was probably thinking to herself, how consequential am I? I don't know. I do the stuff everybody else does. I get up in the morning. I go to work. I live my life. I do whatever everybody else is doing. What am I doing of consequence? What am I doing of significance? How am I different to everybody else? Or am I just part of what everybody else is all about? I don't know that I'm different. I don't really understand that I'm different. I don't see myself different. I don't see myself being a person of prominence or significance or making any consequential contribution to anything. She had no clue what was coming. 
What is interesting for me about this is the story that we read is really a story that has a far greater context to it. Our life has a much greater context to it. We think our life is where we are right at the moment. But the truth of the matter is our life is nothing more than a chapter in the book of life. There is a whole bunch of stuff that proceeded before you got here. And there's going to be a whole bunch of stuff that happens after you leave. And so in that context, you have a place and you have a purpose. You have a contribution to make. And sometimes we don't know what that is because we don't see the grand plan. And we don't understand some things that are happening on a plane which is spiritual, not natural. But God knows both. And God is at a place where he can intersect those two things. God is in a realm where God's sitting saying, everything that we're about to encounter, Mary, was actually conceived a long time ago. It was conceived way back at the beginning of humanity. And what we're about to encounter is something which came into existence when I was with two people called Adam and Eve. And something really bad happened. And they made some bad decisions. And in that place, I moved into a space and I made a commitment and I made a promise. And what I said to the deceiver was, the seed of the woman will crush your head. Right there, destiny was put into play. From that point onward, God was looking for the place, the space where the seed could be born. He was looking for that. Mary had no clue about any of that stuff. She was just living life. What she didn't understand was there was more at play. And so when God is looking for somebody to work with, have you ever wondered why he chose Mary? I want to touch on some thoughts and and drop some ideas in and give you something to think about. One of the things to think about is this. Really, God, I believe one of the considerations was this. He chose someone with no name who came from a place of no reputation, from a country of no consequence. We think the things that are important and the things that are going to set us apart. We think think the things that are going to put us at a place where we're going to do something of consequence for the kingdom come out of a dimension which is called the natural. Those things are inconsequential to God. When God was looking for somebody, I believe one of the things that was pivotal in choosing Mary was she was the right person at the right time. She was the right person at the right time. Here's the truth. You are the right person at the right time. You were never born when you were born by accident. You were never born into the family you were born into by accident. You are not in the environment in which you find yourself by accident. Did you ever think that you are the right person at the right time? You perhaps may not see the bigger picture at play, but he does. And the thing about it is, if we can just leave ourselves in a place where we recognize that God is wanting to do something through us, God is having a look at an opportunity to sit and say, I want to be able to work with you, to partner with you, to introduce you to who I am. And as a consequence of that, it's going to introduce the world to be able to see who I am and have influence in that space. If you will get together with me and we can conceive together, what will be born of you can change the world. You're the right person at the right time. That's right. right person. So the angel says something so interesting to Mary. At the very first meeting, he looks at her and he says to her, Greetings. 
our favorite one. God is with you. Greetings, O favored one. Why was she favored? Was she special? Was she set apart? Did she come from some kind of lineage? Did she have a special education? Did she have a pedigree? Everything the Bible tells us is that she was just a very average girl. And yet the angel meets her and the angel says to her, favored one. Here's the insight. Mary wasn't favored because of anything she did. Mary was favored because God was with her. Mary was favored because God was with her. He was introducing her to reality. He was introducing her to a principle for life. The principle for life was this. I'm wanting to do something. And as long as you and I can operate together, as long as my presence is there, favor will be there. If you can get that and you can understand it and you can hold on to that, what will happen is you position yourself in favor. She was blessed because he was with her. Do you know what the original Greek definition for favor is? To demonstrate delight. What a weird definition. (laughs) To demonstrate delight. Do you know what it says? It says, God has so much love for you. And he is so interested in who you are. He takes great, great joy in demonstrating his delight in being able to intervene in your life, intervene in your circumstances, come into situations and circumstances, meet you where you are. He's looking for opportunities for intervention to demonstrate delight. God wants to demonstrate delight in your life because you are favored. when, When we get the reality of that, it opens up so many paradigms and opportunities for us because we begin to recognize the fact that everywhere you go, he is with you. I can't separate myself from favor. I can't separate myself from favor. The moment that you get born again, the very minute that the life of God comes on the inside of you, whether you've been a believer for 15 seconds or 15 years, the wonderful thing about it is you are as, find as much favor as Mary did. Why? Because he is with me. I'm positioned in favor. The challenge with it is we always recognize it. We we are in favor. That's what God wants us to recognize and to understand. Favor goes with who he is. Favor is all about his presence. Where God's presence is, favor exhibits itself. He can't take it away. It's who he is. And what God was going to do in Mary's life, what was so amazing was she didn't realize it, but as the, the conversation began to proceed with the, holy, with, with the angel, the angel was going to introduce her to a reality that God's intention was for her to conceive of him and that she would conceive a child, something on the inside of her which, was be, which would be born of him, conceived of God. You know what's so wonderful about something for for a woman when you conceive? When you get life on the inside of you, it begins to govern your body. What do you mean? It means your body begins to change. You don't have to change your body. Your body is going to change because life is inside there. You, you'll be, whether you want it to or not, it's going to change. 
It's going to expand. It's going to get better. It's bigger. It's going to make room for growth and expansion. It's going to make preparedness and get itself ready for birthing. Why? Because some things are happening because I've got life on the inside of me. Your chemistry is going to begin to change and your chemistry is going to begin to shift. Why? Because I've got life on the inside of me and life is doing some stuff that I have no control over. It's live on the inside of me and it's doing something. It begins to affect our psychology. And all of a sudden what ends up happening is women become so much more maternal in that time. And all of a sudden they go around and everything is about nesting. Let's get the home ready. It's like, what's wrong with the home? Get it ready. Life is coming. What's happened? It's affected me. My whole being has been informed and, and infused and being challenged and being changed. It's being influenced and things are happening on the inside of me. And it, it's not as a result of anything that I've done. It's because life is growing on the inside of me. God wants you to know this. The moment that you got born again, life moved in. And when life moved in, life is going to do some stuff in your life. Whether you want it to or not is not consequential. It's going to begin to happen because it's not of you, it's of him. You don't have to make it happen. He's going to do it. What will end up happening is not only will things begin to shift and change in who you are, but your appetites are going to begin to change because you become aware of the fact that there's something on the inside of me that I begin to focus on more and more. My awareness begins to shift and change, and I'm not as concerned about what's happening out there anymore, but I'm aware of the life that's on the inside of me. I don't want to eat that stuff anymore because I've got life. I don't want to do those things anymore. I've got life. I'm not going into smoky environments anymore because I've got life. I'm aware of what's on the inside of me. I'm not on any works program. I'm just aware of the, of the fact that something far more consequential is alive on the inside of me. It's taken precedent over everything. It's beginning to inform things. And I don't want to do some things that I used to do. When God gets into your life, your appetites are going to shift. Your focus is going to change. Your awareness is going to begin to change and to shift. Why? Because he wants you to understand something, that everything that he wants to do in your life, the life that he wants you to experience, the fullness of what he wants you to birth, the transformation and change that he's wanting to introduce you to, the fullness of who he is, everything is going to come from that center. He's shifting your awareness and focus and he's making you far more consequential of the fact that the one that is going to do something on the inside of you is going to happen from inside here. Favored one. Favored one. Because of his presence. There was something that Mary did have that did set her and distinguish her from other people. And it's something that's very important for us to understand. And it was this. The ability to be able to recognize and respond to favor is dependent on becoming a person of faith. A person of faith. A person of faith. A person of faith is a person of humility. A person of faith is a person who says, I can't conceive by myself. I can't get what you have for me. I can't get what you're offering me. But let me put myself at a place. If, 
If you'll do something in my life, I'll partner with you. Faith is coming to that place where it recognizes the significance and the value of favor. And it's looking with an appetite and a hungry eye that sits and says, I want what you have for me. You know what's so good about God? God says this, you probably can't trust me. I get it. So you know what? I come with a full package. It's called grace. What I'm going to do is I'm not only going to bring with you, with me, grace and the fullness of what it's about, but actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to take something of myself and I'm going to impart it to you. And what I'm going to impart to you is of me. And what it's going to do on the inside of you is birth a place called righteousness. And what righteousness means in that space is, you know what? You've just birthed the ability to be able to grab hold of, to partner with, to have trust and confidence in what you've just said to me. When I take of who I am and I put it to, into who you are, I begin to shift and change something in you so that I can live from not me, but you in me. You in me gives me the ability to be able to shift and change my beliefs so that I can partner with you. You in me gives me the confidence to sit and say, in and of my own strength, I probably couldn't do that. And I probably wouldn't make that choice, but I know that it's right. So be it unto me according to your word. It comes from faith and it comes from him. What he imparts to me changes me. Remember the man. And he was going out and he was so desperate because his son was possessed. And Jesus said to him, they had this big, long conversation. and He was trying to get the guy delivered. And the challenge with it was that the father couldn't believe. And the father turned around to Jesus. And what did he say to him? Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. What is he saying? I can't partner with you because I don't have it on the inside of me. I need for you to give, some, give me something of you. Give me the ability, change my unbelief so that you can transform it because I can't transform my unbelief. We don't get to believe God in and of ourselves. You got to have faith. Faith is not of me. Faith is divine substance of him. It comes into me and it begins to shift and change me. Faith is of him. God is so loving. He's so good. He's demonstrably delightful. Not only am I going to gift you, but I'm going to actually do something on the inside of you that changes you so that you're actually looking forward to realizing the fullness of the gift I've promised you. God's goodness, uh, God's goodness shines on everyone. God's goodness shines on everyone. He's a good God. He's a wonderful God. God's goodness shines on everyone. But he only dwells in those people who open their hearts to him. You can enjoy his goodness, but you don't get to participate in his presence. Presence only comes when I open my heart to him and I let him come into that space. 
Mary said something so interesting. So be it unto me according to your word. We have such a diluted concept of word compared to God. It really doesn't help. It's not a very weighty um, instrument in our economy. We, we, we abuse words. We use foul words. Um, we randomly just throw words out. Um, we use words to describe things and to bring understanding, communication. Words are words are words are words are words. It's a word. Sticks and stones. Words on the media. Stones. Words. We use words for arbitrary things. But God, in his economy, words are important because words are God. This is who I am. When God speaks, God, God's word is a self-revelation of who he is. When God speaks, he and his word are one. What it means is, when you engage God's word, you're touching God. When you engage God's word, you're touching God. Let me give you an example. I want to, I want to speak for a minute, and the example I want to give you is about the power of self-expression. Because really, that's what it is. God sitting saying, this is who I am, and who I am is expressed in my words. Every word that I give you, it doesn't just convey an understanding, but it carries with it innately the fullness of that substance. The power of self-expression. If I bring light into a situation, and it, the light expresses itself as brightness, I don't need to understand light in order for light to happen. Light evidences itself. Its character is brightness. When you bring light into a situation, brightness happens. It's part of its nature. When you get a word from God and you bring that word into the situation, it carries with it the nature of what's inside of it. It carries with it the seed of what's inside of it. He's not using a random word. He's giving you and imparting to you substance of himself. What he's saying to you is, I'm giving you divine seed. Understand that in this word comes divine seed. It carries with it the capacity and the capability to bring about what's inside of it. It's a self-expression of whatever the word is. If he gives you a word of healing, that's what, what, what comes with it. It carries with it the ability. When I take light and I bring light into a space and it illuminates an area, I don't have to have understanding to experience the light. I don't have to understand it at all. I can flick the switch and light turns on. I have no clue how it happens. I can just tell you that it, it, it evidenced itself. Sometimes we think we have to understand God's word in order to realize it. One thing I've discovered about my life with God, most times the things I think I understand about the things of God, usually when I walk into them, I recognize what an idiot I was and I knew nothing about it. Invariably, I get more understanding from actually experiencing the word, walking into the word, and suddenly I know about the word, whereas beforehand I tried so hard to understand it, but I really had no concept of it. Yeah. 
We don't have to understand the things of God necessarily in order to experience them. You will never understand God in his entirety because God is the creator, the author of all things. He is beyond our capacity. We are the creation, not the creator. Don't try and grab a hold of it. Just be obedient. You don't always have to understand. If he says to you, you know what? I want for you to conceive Mary and I'm going to do some stuff and this is how I'm going to do it. So be it unto me. Don't sit there and God explain it to me. You don't need an explanation. Self-evidence comes in the word. Self-evidence comes in the word. When light comes into the space, it evidences itself. It evidences itself. I think I was going to tell you something about that. I know, I'm wondering what it was, Rafa. Oh, I know where I was going to go with this. Hold on. Um, we're open to John chapter 1, verse 1. I want to overlay this. In the beginning was the? Word. And the? Word. Was with? God. And the word was? God. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Did you just hear that? They're inseparable. They're one and the same. When God speaks, it evidences itself. When God speaks, he's, he's taking a part of the substance of who he is and he's sitting saying, fine, I'm imparting it and this is my mechanism for impartation. And as a result of taking who he is and taking self-expression and putting it into a space, he expects the result. Light. He didn't make stuff out of nothing. He made stuff, he made stuff out of self. Um, next one, Donna. He was in the beginning with God. You ready? Listen. All things were made through him. And without him was nothing made that was made. Self-evidence was responsible for creation. Self-evidence is what brought it about. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Say it, creation. Oh, so, so I didn't mean say it. I just didn't pronounce it well. So at creation, not so say. <laughs> Rafa, you're leading everyone astray. Don't follow him up the garden path. So at creation, let's see what happened. God says, let us make man. He used Words in his image. Let us make man in our image. He took seed and spoke it forth. But the seed needs life. So what did he do? He breathed into man's nostrils the breath of and man became seed with spirit equals life. Unless one is born of the water, word, 
and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What is he saying? You've got to have the word and you've got to have the spirit. You've got to have the seed and you've got to have the life. Because when the two come together, what ends up happening is the power of the spirit on the seed ignites life on the inside of you. It takes who he is. It takes what he's all about and it puts it into a space. And when life and when the, when the spirit breathes power on it, all of a sudden life comes into action. Life comes into existence. You take the Logos, it's the written word of God. What happens? The spirit breathes on it, speaks to you, and it becomes the rhema. What happens? It's the living word of God. It's powerful. That's what separates the Logos from the rhema is the spirit, because the seed came into contact with the power, and life got germinated. That's the power of rhema. You've got to have spirit and you've got to have seed. You've got to have spirit and you've got to have seed. And the two working together do something. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will conceive. So be it unto me according to your spirit and word operating together. Spirit. Now, this is what's important. This is the big thing. That's the mechanism, because the thing is God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You're not just a Mary randomly walking around. You're not just a Mary that's kind of sitting saying, you know, what happens? You're going to be at a place where I can tell you now God is going to intervene in your life. And you may not have an angel because you don't need an angel, because you have the presence. The Spirit is within you. I walk by the Spirit, and I live by the Spirit, and I engage with the Spirit, and I speak with the Spirit, and He speaks with me. Why? Because he's looking for opportunities of invitation. He's looking for opportunities to be able to seed your life. He's looking for opportunities to be able to breathe power onto that so that you can conceive and receive life on the inside of you. Why? Because the thing that he puts on the inside of you and the life that you conceive is going to take on flesh and dwell among them. And we beheld his glory that of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What he's saying is this, there is a reason that you're going to conceive, and the reason you're going to conceive is much bigger than you. You think that you're just there to conceive because you're going to have a baby born of him, but you have no idea that it's there to save the world. You have no idea what God wants to do on the inside of you, and it may potentially be so much bigger than you can possibly imagine. All you have to do is just obey, This is the point. God wants to put life on the inside of you. He wants you to conceive life. He wants to take the seed of his word and breathe on it the power of the spirit so that life is conceived and life is going to grow on the inside of you and life is going to give birth. And when life gives birth, what is born of you is going to be spirit wrapped in flesh. Everything that you emanate from your life Anything that God is looking for, he's looking for it to be conceived of him, but to come out of you. Why? So that they can behold my glory. John chapter 1, verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. He's wanting you to conceive life so that you can be light. 
He has a plan and a purpose for your life. He has a strategy and a mission for your life. And everything is wrapped up in some simple words. Shine your light into the world. Go into all the world and shine. Light. Light. In this Christmas season, what is so exciting about it is this. We talk about Mary, and Mary's a wonderful thing. She's a lovely character to have a look at. But she really represents, in many ways, from a story point of view, you and me. That's what she's looking for. He's giving us a model at the, very, at the very inception of the New Testament, the beginnings of that space. He's giving us a model for how he wants to work with us and how he wants to interact with us. He wants for us to understand that with his presence comes favor. And our ability to be able to recognize that favor and our ability to be able to and have an appetite to engage with that, to allow that to become a part of who I am, to be seeded by his word and allow his spirit to breathe on that so that life is conceived on the inside of me, gives me the opportunity to move into a space where I become light, not because of me, but because of him. Christmas is really not the story about Mary. Christmas is the story about Jesus. But the story about Jesus is the story about God. Because Jesus is the Father. Jesus is the Word. He was in the beginning. He was with God. He was born in flesh. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the story of the Father. But the story of the Father is not just the story of the Father. It's the story of Emmanuel. God with us. God with you. God is sitting saying, I don't just want you to know about me. I don't just want you to be aware of who I am out there somewhere. I want you to move into a place where you recognize the fact that Emmanuel is with you. God is with you. Favor is with you. Seed is with you. Life is with you. Spirit is with you. Everything that you need to be able to take the things of God and enjoy the fullness of who he is and the life that he's provided is available and accessible to you. So Christmas is really a celebration. There is a time that we set aside every single year to have a look and sit and say, today we celebrate something greater than ourselves. Today we celebrate incarnational reality. Today we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. God with us is favor with me. Everywhere I go, I walk with favor. It's not because of who I am, it's not because of what I know, it's because of who I carry. Have a wonderful Christmas. Enjoy it. Have fun. Celebrate. Be, be happy. Take some time to put some stuff aside because, you know, we get so weighty through the year with all the stuff that we have to think about and be responsible for. So here it comes from the pulpit. Be irresponsible on Sunday. <laughs> Leave responsibility behind on Saturday evening and you can pick it up again on Monday morning. If you must. Delight in him. 
demonstrated delight, favor with you. Father, I just want to thank you for the grand plan. I thank you for the opportunity for us to experience a relationship with you. I thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your son to die for us. Let us always honor that sacrifice. We have such limited appreciation for the expansiveness of grace. We just want to thank you for what you provided for us, Jesus. Thank you that you never cease to delight us in introducing something new and something fresh that you provided for us. I thank you for people with hunger and a heart after you. Burn in them, Holy Spirit. Give us a fresh appreciation, Father, for the fact that when we touch your word, we touch you. Let us grab a hold of that and hold on to it. Breathe on it, Holy Spirit, and let it become. We celebrate you today in Jesus' name. Amen.